I am delighted to be with you today. I am Randy Ray. I normally go to the early service. I was a pastor for 42 years, and uh, in April, that's next month, isn't it? I will celebrate 50 years of preaching. I preached my first sermon uh, in April of, uh, what would that be, 1973, at the Dakota Baptist Church in St. Cloud, Florida. There were about 18 people there that day, including me and my wife, and the average age was 87. And and uh, were we not there, the average age would have been more like 93. But uh, <clears throat> you are a bright-looking bunch today, and maybe only a couple in that category. I'm now the old guy in the group. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 23 and 24. The title of the message is The Seamless Garment. John 19, 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Now I have two messages to bring to you today. First of all, I'm going to bring to you a message as though we are in seminary or Bible school or something, and I'm going to give you just some background on this passage of Scripture and tell you what the passage of Scripture teaches. Then I want to give you the message of what this passage of Scripture said to me one day as I was reading it. As you look at this passage, the first thing that you see is the depravity of man. The Bible teaches us that We have a depraved nature. We are born with a depraved nature. Our depraved nature uh, cannot fix itself. It can only be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. When I see the, the way that the soldiers were dealing with Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, and I see how they were robbing his body, if you will, and gambling for his, uh, the better part of his clothing, I think to myself, you know what? That's just the way we are. We are a depraved group of people. All of us are. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 it says, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteousness deeds, righteous deeds, are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Now, here's what we've done today in the house of God. We have gathered together a gathering, a pretty large gathering on this time, Chase Sunday, of depraved men and women. We have a depraved nature. There are things about each one of us that we do not want others to know about us. I used to say, and Matt and Dawn may have heard me say this in the past, they were once members of our church, I used to say, if you knew me like I know me, you wouldn't listen to me preach. That's just the truth. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
The best thing about me is Jesus. I got saved, and and he changed my life, and I've been working for all of these years to try to conform to him. Not doing a great job. Still have to fight that sin nature, but there it is. So when I look at this passage of Scripture, I am reminded that we are all uh, fall short of the glory of God and have a depraved nature. The secondly, I am reminded of the shame that Jesus suffered on the cross of Calvary. Now, when I say I am reminded, this is not a picture of the shame that he suffered. It's a reminder. And here's what I say about the reminder. They took the Son of God, Jesus himself. They stripped his clothing from him. They threw the clothing down at the foot of the cross, and they nailed Jesus naked, if you will, on the cross of Calvary. What a shameful thing to do to anybody. What a horribly shameful thing to do to Jesus Christ. And when I see this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded that Jesus suffered far more shame than this when he died on the cross for our sins. Let me show you something from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now it gets really interesting. Verse 3, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What is the shame of the cross of Calvary? Was it that Jesus was stripped naked on the cross and nailed there? Well, that's evidence of the shame, but the shame was what he had to do for you and for me. He had to make a sacrifice for our sins. He became sin for us. He took up on himself the sins of the world. That would be your sins, and that would be your sins, and ma'am, that would be your sins, and sir, that would be your sins. That would be all of the young people's sins. That would be my sins, all of our sins, And the whole world's sins were taken upon Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. What's the shame of that? Well, there's one thing that the Father will not allow into heaven, and that is sin. And there's one thing the Father cannot look upon, and that is sin. And do you remember when the earth turned black, and do you remember when the veil was was, uh, torn in half? Do you know what happened? The father had to turn his face from looking at what this sin, because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ had become the most repugnant thing of all of heaven and earth. And Jesus did that for you and for me. In fact, to reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ may be one of the worst things. In fact, it is. The worst thing that any person could ever do after what he has done for us. And at the close of this service, when we give the invitation, I'm going to invite you to consider whether or not you have ever truly received Jesus Christ as Savior. And you know, I want to invite you, if you do not know for sure that if you die today, you'd go to heaven, 
I want to invite you to come and just see me at the front. And we'll have someone take Scripture and share with you very carefully how to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can come to church today unsure, and you can go home with the blessed assurance in your heart because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Can you say amen to that? Woo, that'll turn your mute loose in the corn crib, won't it? Let me give you the th- third seminary lesson. The third seminary lesson is that it shows that God's Word is literally true. Verse 24 of our text says that this is a fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. That just simply means there was a prophecy in the Old Testament that is being fulfilled in the New Testament uh, during this particular event. Now, when did that prophecy in the Old Testament uh, get prophesied? 1,000 years earlier than when this event took place. In Psalm 22 and verse 18, a thousand years before this event, it says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now what is the significance of that? Well, the significance of that is that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And prophecy past has been fulfilled And prophecy future will be fulfilled. How? Just as it is prophesied. For weeks now, our pastor has been taking us through the book of the Revelation. And in the book of the Revelation, there have been certain prophecies. And some of you have scratched a hole in your head and said, my goodness, how could that thing really happen? I don't understand how that, surely that couldn't happen like that. Let me tell you, there are a lot of things that happen that I don't understand. I don't understand how a brown cow could eat green grass and give white milk, but I love it. (laughs) There are a lot of things not to understand. There are a lot of things we just believe. Uh, I had a guy one time tell me, I was trying to lead him to Christ, and and he was dying of cancer. And I said, uh, his name is George Kodelka, and I said, George, would you like to believe, uh, receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And I'd given him all the scripture. He said, yes. And I said, will you pray with me? He said, I can't. And I said, you can't pray with me? He said, no, I don't understand why he would do that for me. I said something in that witnessing experience I've never said to anyone before. And I've never said to anyone since. I looked at him and I said, that's none of your business. <laughs> and he looked at me. I said, George. You're a heavy equipment operator. You take all your equipment apart and put it back together because all of that equipment is your business, right? He said, yes, it is. I said, the grace of God is not your business other than that you believe it and receive it. And he did. And he died. And and when, yeah, amen. That's a, and I'll tell you this. When he died, I asked him, I said, after he got saved that day, I said, tell me this. Uh, what am I going to say to the people at your funeral if I do your funeral? He said, I wish you would. I said, okay, what am I going to say about where you went? He said, I went to heaven. So when you look at this passage of Scripture, you can see that prophecy past was fulfilled literally and prophecy future will be fulfilled literally. That Jesus died on the cross and suffered the shame for you and for me. And, and we can see the, the, uh, the depravity of man. Now, having said all of that, there was a day when I was reading this passage of Scripture, and I came on something that I'd never seen before. I'd seen it, 
but it hadn't shown itself to me. You ever been reading the scripture, Carlos, and, and you look, and then all of a sudden, it, whoa, I haven't seen that before. You've been reading past it forever, uh, but one day it said something to you. This is what happened to me. I was reading along, and, and I looked, and, and it said, now the garment was without seam. In the King James Version, it says, now the garment was without seam woven from the top throughout. That's what I was reading the day that it jumped off the page at me. And I said, man, a garment without seam. I used to work at a men's store in Goodlettsville, Tennessee. Anybody here know where Goodlettsville, Tennessee is? God bless you, sir. Goodlettsville, Tennessee is just outside of Nashville. I went to Goodlettsville High School. That's G-O-O-D-L-E-T-S-V-I-L-L-E. Goodlettsville High School. I worked at Brooks Men's Store at Goodlettsville High School, and we sold really nice clothes in there. And so here's what I did. Woven without seeing from the top throughout, I said, let me just close my eyes and walk through Brooks. And I went in the front door and turned to the left and went down the suit rack, and there wasn't a single suit in there that didn't have a seam in it. And I said, well, let me look at the shirts. All the shirts had seams. I looked at the pants. I looked at the underwear. I looked at the socks. I looked at everything. They all had seams, and we sold good clothes there. And I said, well, man, somebody made a custom garment for Jesus Christ without a seam. Somebody made something that fit Jesus perfectly. They made something for him that that didn't require uh, snipping and sewing. They made something from the beginning to take out and fit him just as it is supposed to fit him. So my second thought was, I need to find out who that is because there's a sermon right there. You find that dude or lady, and there's got to be a sermon in it. I didn't know who it would be. Was it Mary, the mother of Jesus? Was it Mary Magdalene? Was it the woman at the well? Maybe it was a man who was gifted in in tailoring. I have no idea. But I know this. It inspired me. It made me want to do something that was custom made for Jesus. It made me want to do something that was from me to him. It made me want to do something for Jesus that would fit him perfectly. And so because I couldn't find out who did it, I decided I would find out something about the person who did it. And if I could find out something about the person who did it, then maybe I could duplicate in some way a service that would fit him just perfectly. So here's what I set out and decided about them, first of all. The one who made the garment without seam knew Jesus very well. Uh, Whoever made this garment studied Jesus closely. They knew the width of the shoulders that would bear the cross on Calvary. They knew the length and the breadth of the back that would be beaten with the Roman scourge. They they knew the, the length of the outstretched arms that would be nailed to the cross of Calvary. Whoever made this garment for Jesus not only knew him, they knew him well. Look, there's two things. You can't go to heaven unless you know him. And your service won't fit the way you want it to unless you know him well. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that means this, unless you know me, 
you can't get to the Father. You can't get to heaven someday. So I would tell every man, woman, child, teenager, young person, whoever you are, that the way to get to heaven from Fleming Island is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get there. Again, at the close of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get that settled finally and forever in your mind and your heart. And I hope you will do that. But now the second thing I talked about was the service fitting Jesus. And to fit Jesus, you need to know him well. Uh, Had the one who made this garment for Jesus not known him well, the garment just wouldn't fit. It could have been way too big or way too small. Uh, Let me, I'll give you an illustration. Back to high school, G-O-O-D-L-E-T-S-V-I-L-L-E. My best friend was David Busby. David Busby, we were like peanut butter and jelly in high school. Uh, David had polio when he was a baby. They had done some operation on his legs, and he had what was I called a distinct polio limp. And uh, if you knew anything about polio in those days, you could say that person right there had polio. I knew what a polio limp looked like. David and I were ve- we were refrigerator friends. You ever did, when you were in school? Did you have refrigerator friends? You go to their house, you go straight to the refrigerator. Nobody say anything. Or they come to your house, they go straight through. Nobody say anything. Okay, we we were that kind. We were that kind of of friends. There are a lot of reasons that we were friends. We we hit it off. We he liked my family. I liked his family. Um, I had a, uh, a 1964 Chevrolet Bel Air with three on the tree. He had a Corvette. And bless his heart, his little old legs couldn't work those uh, pedals on that Corvette really well. I could. So we were kind of buddies, but we were buddies far more than that. David, <laughs> one Christmas morning, David David called me in a in a panic because uh, David had a a girlfriend uh, at Christmas time. I never had a girlfriend at Christmas time. I uh, I always broke up with him around Thanksgiving. Got back with him just before my birthday at the beginning of March. <laughs> I've always been an economist. Uh, but uh, David had a girlfriend. Her name was Pat. So David called me. He said, Randy, you got to get over here now. This is Christmas morning. I said, what's wrong? David? He said, I can't tell you on the phone. Just get over here. And I said, okay. So I drove that 1964 Bel Air Chevrolet 3 on the tree, and I almost turned that thing sideways in his driveway getting in there. And when I arrived, I went to the door, and I opened it up, and I said, hey, it's Randy. And David's daddy, Ray, think of this. Think of Humpty Dumpty before he fell off the wall, okay? David's daddy had a big old round belly, one of the greatest guys I've ever, ever, ever known. Funny. Listen, you look up funny in Wikipedia, and his picture is there. He was hilarious, a funny human being. So I walked in, and I said, David. I'm here, and Ray from down in the den said, Hey, Randy, little buddy, I'm down here in the den. Come on down. So I did. I went down. I said, Ray, um, David called me. Something's wrong. He said, Yeah, something is. And I said, What is it? He said, I can't tell you. David, Randy's here. Well, he uh, 
came down the steps and looked at me. He said, Randy, Pat made me something for Christmas. Well, great, Buzz. Great. What's the problem? She made me something. And I said, well, David, you snob. Good grief, man. She, she may not have had money. She, I think it's pretty doggone sweet that she made you something. He, she said, she made me a sweater. And I said, a sweater? He said, mm-hmm. And Ray said, hey, David, go upstairs and put it on. Bring down show Randy. <laughs> David disappeared. And I heard something coming down the steps. Sounded like Sasquatch. It was making all kinds of noise. And I thought, what was this? All Ray was doing, just sitting there laughing like this. David walked in the room. He had on a multicolored, bulky knit. You ladies remember bulky knit? A bulky knit sweater that hung down to his knees, <laughs> off his fingers, off his shoulders. It looked like something for a pregnant woman, I'll tell you. And he stood there and looked at me, and I looked at him. And he looked at me, and I looked at him. And he looked at me, and I, and we didn't know what to say. Mr. Busby broke the silence. Mr. Busby said, me and David and the whole family are going to get in it after a while and go over to her house. <laughs> now, what was the problem? Was the problem that she didn't know David? Now, she knew David. She just didn't know him well enough for her good intentions to fit him. Now, to know Jesus well, you have to go where Jesus would go. And you have to speak as Jesus would speak. And you have to learn what Jesus would do. And you have to walk in the way that, that Jesus would walk. And I will tell you that whoever made this garment, woven without seam from the top throughout, for Jesus Christ not only knew him, but knew him well. Let me give you the second thing about them. They not only knew him well, but they gave him the honor that he deserved. There's something that some of you already know about this garment, without seam, and some that some of you don't know about it. Jesus was not the only one who had that garment, or that kind of a garment. Okay, then, this is kind of a B uh, thing. It's not really A plus. This is like a B thing. No, 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 no. This was the garment of the high priest. Now, do you know what the Bible says about Jesus? He came into his own, and what does the Bible say about his own? His own received him not. The Bible teaches that he was despised and rejected among men. The Bible teaches that, that he had literally uh, three people against him for every half person for him. I mean, he was set against from the very first day. Whoever made this garment woven without seeing from the top throughout for Jesus, they said, I don't care what everybody else says. 
I don't care about the people that boo him. I don't care about the people that tried to cancel him. I don't care about the people who say bad things about him. I don't care about the people who ridicule those who follow him. I don't care about any of that. Here's what I know. I know that he's the highest of the high priests. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I'm going to do something that's fitting for him. And they set out to make him a garment woven without seam from the top through. Who made this garment for Jesus? I don't know. Tell you something about them, though. They not only knew Jesus, they knew Jesus well. They not only knew Jesus well, they gave him the honor that he deserved. And there's one more thing. They not only knew Jesus well and gave him the honor that he deserved, but they loved him very much. We cannot honor him with our service unless we know him well. But we will not honor him with our service unless we love him very much. Imagine the care and time that was put into making that garment. Now, we're, we're not talking about a seamstress here. We're talking about weaving, weaving a garment, weaving something. Can, can you imagine? And the schedule that Jesus kept? Here, there, uh, could you come by the house just for a little bit? I want to make sure I've got these shoulders right. I'll have to catch you the next time. And they, they go through, and they keep on working on it. And finally, they do it. And they, oh no, the shoulders are too big or too small. I'm going to have to back all of that seaming out. I'm going to have to take it out again. And it was a, it was a, a labor of love, but it was a frustrating labor of love. And what I know about church people is this: there comes a point when they wad that thing up and they throw it into the closet and they say that. That's it. I'm done with it. I've tried everything. I've done everything. And, and if, if he can't at least appreciate it enough to stick around long enough for me to finish it, I'm just done with it. That's what we do, by the way. If I have to deal with these kids in the nursery one more time. I had a lady in my very first church came to me. <laughs> she came to me. And, and between Sunday school and church, it's always a wonderful time to go to the pastor. And uh, she came to me with a Tupperware, empty Tupperware. And she was screaming to the top of her lungs, This is why I don't want four-year-olds in the nursery! And I said, well, why? No cookies! They'd eaten all the cookies. I was very loving and kind in the way I responded to her. I won't get into it, but... Uh, we get frustrated and we quit. And then Jesus does something to remind us of how wonderful it is to serve him. Could be that whoever saw this frustration saw him with the little children and he said, suffer the children to come unto me. And he picked one of them up and blessed them and he, he said, I can't quit on him. <sighs> Look at him. Sometimes you just want to do something for someone because you love them. Sometimes you want to do something for Jesus just because you love him. I come from a large family. I'm the last of nine children. I'm 73 years old. I was 73 last Monday. This past Monday, I turned 73. And before some of you come up and say, well, you look good, I want you to know that's the last living compliment the next one is, doesn't he look natural? Okay, so 
just keep it to yourself, okay? But I'm the last of nine children. And many years ago, many, many years ago, my oldest brother had a heart attack and was incapacitated for, for several weeks without any way to sustain his family, without any way to take care of his family. And so we had a family meeting and we all pitched in and we all decided on an amount we could give to get Wayne through those difficult times. And we did it. And he actually lived um, two doors down from me at the time. And, and one morning as I was going to the office, I noticed that one of my sisters was in the driveway and she was standing at the door knocking. Her name is Tawanda. That's, that's her right there. That's her picture. We were in Israel when that picture was made. And, uh, and by the way, Tawanda, have you ever, how many of you have seen Fried Green Tomatoes, the movie Fried Green Tomatoes? You've seen that Tawanda on Fried Green? Exactly her. Exactly her. And she was knocking on the door, and I knew what she was doing. She was cheating. She was going to go in there and give him extra money. I knew what she was doing. So I got to the office, and I called my wife, and I said, Jan, would you please call the florist and have them put two roses in a vase and a little fern and so on and send it to Tawanda's office and put on it from Randy, Jan, and the boys just because we love you? She said, absolutely. So later that morning, I got a phone call. There was a lady on the other end of the line, and here's what she said. Why you do this? And I said, hello? Why'd you do this? I said, who is it? This is Tawanda. You know who it is. Why'd you do this? I said, what are you talking about? He said, I was sitting in my office, and they walked in, and they put a vase on my desk, and it had two roses in There was a card that said, yes, from Randy and Jim, because you love me. Why'd you do that? I said, because we love you. We really love you, Tawanda. And we can't give you everything, but we can give you two roses in a vase. Just because we love you. To love your family and your friends is sometimes easier than knowing how to show your love for Jesus. And how to send him two roses in a vase. When I was a pastor in Nashville... I had a wonderful little girl. She was my favorite church member, my favorite church member ever in any church, ever in any church. She was Down syndrome. First came to the church and she was eight years old, came with her brother, two brothers, a sister, and her dad, Ed, and her mom, Abby. She was eight years old. She was everywhere, everywhere in the church, everywhere. She'd get up, she'd go out, she'd come back, she'd get up, go out. I'm preaching. She gets up and goes out, comes back, talks out loud, does a whole thing. So I called Ed and Abby. Actually, I went to see Ed and Abby that afternoon uh, just to thank them for visiting our church. And they said, we're sorry, we won't be back. And I said, you won't be back? Why? Well, Janice just, Janice doesn't know how to sit in church. I said, that doesn't matter. She'll learn and we'll learn her. Church will be good for her and, and, and she'll be good for us. You come back. You, go, you, you come back. They said, well, okay. And they started getting saved one by one. Dad, mom, brother, brother, sister, and they all would get baptized. And they would get baptized every single time. Janice would say, be baptized. And 
I said, Janice, one of these days you'll, you'll get baptized. One of these days you will. One of these days you'll get baptized. Well, we went through a period of time where she was crying during the invitations. I'd give the invitation and she would just cry. And her mother's name was Ebby. And Ebby called me and she said, Preacher, she's crying during the invitations. Do you think, and she was probably, I don't know, 12 or so at that time, maybe a little older. I said, do you think? I said, yes, I do think. I think the Holy Spirit of God is talking to her. And I said, uh, let's just continue to watch her and see how God moves in her heart. And one day, on a Sunday, Abby called me and said, Pastor, she cried all through the service today, all through the invitation. She's been crying all afternoon. She wants to talk to Other Randy. That's what she called me was Other Randy. She couldn't say Brother Randy. Call me Other Randy. <laughs> other Randy. She said, Other Randy, Other Randy. I said, all right, bring her back to the service tonight, and, and we'll counsel with her. So we got to the service, gave the invitation. Here she comes. Bless her little heart. And, I, and this is going to be gross, what I'm going to tell you, but it's so Down syndrome. She, look. They have respiratory issues anyway. She had snot from her eyebrows to her shoulders. She had been crying all day. And she came up and I said, sweetheart, I said, why did you come? She said, be saved, be saved. So I motioned for my wife. I said, Jan, come up here. Take Janice and show Janice from the Bible very carefully what it means to be saved. Janice said, okay. Or my wife Jan said, okay. And she took little Janice out. And she wasn't gone 60 seconds until she turned around and came back. And I said, what is it? And she said, she's not talking to me. She wants other Randy. I said, okay. So I let somebody finish the service and I went out and talked to her. And I remember these, these points in this witnessing time with Janice Waters. I said, Janice... If you died right now, where would you go? You know what she said? She went, that's all she could do. And I very carefully gave her the clarity of the gospel. And I said, would you like to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And would you like to go to heaven when you die? She said, And she prayed and received Jesus Christ as her Savior. Keep that picture up there. She prayed and received Jesus Christ as her Savior. And after she did, I asked her, I said, Janice, if you died now, where would you go? She said, heaven, (laughs) heaven, heaven, heaven. I said, that's right. And she said, be baptized now. I said, you betcha. I took that little girl right there. (laughs) Oh, what a sweet face. She's in heaven right now. She went a year ago. A year ago, she went to heaven. I took that little girl into the baptistry. And I put my hand behind her little chubby neck. And she folded her little fat fingers. 
And I put my hand up and I said, Janice Waters, upon your profession of faith and by the divine command of Christ Jesus our Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And those two little fingers came apart and she wrapped her arms around me and I wrapped my arms around her and we hugged and we rocked and the whole church cried and the whole church cheered and I felt like I just sent Jesus two roses in a vase and it fit him perfectly. I'm not the only one that can get flowers to heaven, folks. You can too. All you have to do is know Jesus, know him well. Determine to give him the honor that he deserves. And love him so much that you won't quit on what you're doing for him. Would you bow your heads for prayer, please? I'm asking every head to be bowed today. And I'm asking everyone to just listen carefully to what I'm saying. I'm going to give this invitation Earlier, I said that there would be an opportunity for those of you who are not certain that if you were to die today, that you'd go to heaven to come forward. And that doesn't really matter who it might be. You might be a first-time visitor in this church. You may have been attending this church for five years. But all along, you said, I don't know for sure. I just don't know. Then I'm inviting you to come. And if you'll come and just tell me, hey, preacher, I don't really know for sure. We'll have somebody share with you clearly how to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. There may be somebody that would say, I want to be a member of that church. You know, my wife and I joined this church. I was a pastor for 42 years. We came to the Jacksonville area. We live in St. John's County. We found a church over on Fleming Island in Clay County, and we said we can cross the Shands Bridge every Sunday, and we can go to that church because that's where God wants us. And we joined this church about two years ago. It's a wonderful church for you to join. We'd love to talk to you if you'll just come and say, I want to be a part of this church family. Now let me get to the invitation for everyone, and that is, What are you going to do to get those two roses in a vase to Jesus? How are you going to get them to him? Is it that next door neighbor that you've been talking to for so long? Is it that friend at work? Is it some kindness that you feel like God is moving you to do? What is it that would suit him perfectly? You may never, ever, ever come and kneel at the altar for anything, but today you might. Today might be the day that you would say, Lord, let me start on that by putting my knees at the altar and saying, I love you very much, and I want to honor you with my service and begin to see what God has for you that's custom made for him. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I pray that as every person in this room stands to their feet and prepares to respond to your word, I pray, Lord, that we will all focus on how much we love you 
we'll all keep our eyes on the importance of living a custom-made life for your honor and your glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.